Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We use social media. We've been using social media since the founding of our organization. And let me just state right now that I feel like people on the podcast may not know about the organization and people in the organization may not know about the podcast. Let me just say it now to the podcast people. This is not just a podcast. This is actually a nonprofit called Jew in the City. It's a weird name for an organization, I know. Um, it was founded in 2007. Um, I did not have the guts to make it a nonprofit until 2014 because I couldn't imagine fundraising like as something I did every day. I've gotten over it. Um, and so when I founded this organization, which led to this podcast as well, it was to... Um, sort of combat the continuous negative depiction that we see of Orthodox Jews in media. It was to combat the lack of nuance, the lack of sort of full characters that most characters in TV shows, movies, books have. Um, we see Orthodox characters uh, usually just without personalities, extreme. Um, we see people running from the community, uh, you know, to escape to a much better secular life. Those are sort of the things that we see regularly. What we don't see are people being happy, being Orthodox Jews, people being thoughtful, people having, you know, sort of complex uh, relationships to their Judaism um, and still finding uh, comfort, wisdom, um, deciding to stay religious, um, having challenges in life that other people could relate to. These are all things that um, I think are lacking in a lot of media. So I took to social media uh, in 2007 to try to do something about that. Um, we've now expanded into something called the JITC Hollywood Bureau. Um, we discovered a few months ago that pretty much every minority has a bureau in Hollywood where they work directly with directors, producers uh, to develop and uh, create uh, all the way to, uh, you know, production and marketing um, whole characters from their communities. And so we are so excited to be doing this as well. Um, but what's delightful to find out about um, is people in the Orthodox community in the, the larger media space. Um, because let's face it, you know, social media is limited unless you have like, you know, uh, 20 million Instagram or TikTok followers, um, the reach is limited and, and the, uh, you know, algorithm is shutting off the spigot um, more and more. And so to have people like Leah Shire, um, who uh, is an Orthodox Jew, who was born and raised in Baltimore, uh, works full-time as a pediatrician, a mom to three daughters and twin boys, who is also an author writing novels with Orthodox characters. That's pretty cool. Her first novel, Secret Letters um, by Hyperon Disney, received a star review from School Library Journal, glowing reviews from Publisher Weekly, Booklist and Voya. Her second novel, Your Voice is All I Hear, Source Books, uh, Fire 2015, received a star review from Booklist and praise from SLJ Voya and PW Rules of Rain, Source Books, Fire 2017, was reviewed by Kirkus Booklist and SLJ. Her fourth novel, The Last Words We Said, Simon & Schuster, was released on August 31st, tells the story of Jewish teens in Atlanta and what happens to one of them when one of them disappears and they all blame themselves. Uh, Leah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So um, like being a doctor is cool. Being a writer, being published by Simon & Schuster is cool. Like doing both um, is pretty awesome feeling kind of like a slacker right now. So um, like, and the truth is that my daughter wants to uh, become a pediatrician. So uh, maybe we can talk about that a little later, but um, so, yeah. So tell me a little bit. So just, you know, it's awesome uh, all that you're doing, you know, it's not just mom and career, it's mom and two careers, but um, like, what's your backstory? Um, where did you grow up? Um, how did you grow up? Kind of what's your, your Jewish story? Um, so I grew up in Baltimore. I was um, born um, born and bred in Baltimore. I lived there for 33 years. Um, I was 
my parents are Russian uh, Jewish immigrants, and they sent me out um, to Beis Yaakov when I was um, in kindergarten. Uh, I was not raised in my family. I was not raised uh, traditionally Orthodox, so they were more traditional. Uh, but they wanted me to have a Jewish education, and uh, at the time, uh, Beis Yaakov, uh, which is an ultra-Orthodox school, uh, was was the one that would give the Russian immigrants a scholarship. Um, so I started off in Beis Yaakov, um, and I, um, I I never felt fully, I never really fully fit in because my parents were not actually Orthodox. Um, so we, we, you know, we did one thing on Shabbat and whereas I learned something else in school, which is a little bit uh, confusing. Um, and in the end, um, I asked, um, I was friends with one other uh, Russian immigrant um, uh, young, young girl. And when she was moving to public school, I basically said to my parents, I think, I think we need to switch school. So they, they moved me to Bethlehem, which mm-hmm. was closer in terms of um, uh, observance to where we were holding at the time. Um, and I, I, I attended Bethlehem until 11th grade, and then I, I moved to more school for the arts. Um, and uh, then uh, I uh, decided I'd, I'd wanted to be a children's author since, um, since I was very, very young, since I learned to read, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, when, I, when it came time to make a choice in career, I was pretty much convinced by everyone who I spoke to um, and of my own insecurities that there was no way I was ever going to make this work as a career. Um, so I decided I, I like people. I, I like science and um, I love working with children. So I thought, you know, pediatrics is the way to go. So I put writing on the back burner for years and years. Um, I went to medical school. I got married in college. I went to medical school, had uh, my, my three daughters through college, medical school and residency. Um, and it wasn't until I was finished residency, finally, um, that I found for the first time in my life between being a mom and, and a doctor or, or a training doctor that I actually had time to do something else. Um, uh, so I started. I'm just going to and be like, wait, what? Okay, residency, <laughs> mom, and you had time for something else. Okay, I'm going to no, no, bounce my it, hole here it now. Wasn't- it wasn't until I finished residency that I finally. Oh, got it, got it. After all right, so ju- residency, sorry, no just way. I had barely time to, yeah, barely time to breathe. Just um, being a doctor and a mommy had time for something else. Okay, cool. No, it's <laughs> yeah, fine. They're was- different. God makes people differently. We're glad they made that He made uh, you like you. So you had some something else. Um, and so, um, how old were your kids? How many kids did you have? This is just also fascinating to me. Uh, I had uh, my oldest daughter when I was in college. I had um, my second daughter when I was in medical school and my third daughter when I was in residency. So I graduated um, all that with three children. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so when I graduated um, and I started working part time in a in a practice, um, by that point, we moved down to Atlanta um, where my husband was doing his residency. So um, I found I had time after the, the, the kids went to bed and I wasn't as exhausted as I used to be. So I started writing. I, I, you know, did some fan fiction and, um, I, uh, I, I, um, that's actually how my first novel secret letters, um, got started. I'm, I'm a Sherlock Holmes fan. So I thought, you know, I'd like to write a story about what would, um, it be like if Sherlock Holmes had a daughter. So that's where that, that came from. I wrote that book over a course of about a year and a half, two years. Um, and I did, never thought that I would do anything with it, uh, except my husband said, look, you've spent so much of your time. Why don't you try to get it published? So um, I said, I told myself, you know what, I'm going to query 30 agents, see what happens. And if it doesn't go anywhere, that's OK. 
I never really intended it for anything except to something to do um, on the side to enjoy. So I queried and, and I, I was lucky. I had an agent who was interested and then she sold it to Disney, uh, Hyperion, so, which was amazing. It was like the, the greatest, greatest thing that ever happened. Just want to back um, up for one second. So in the middle of Best of Fila, you became like Shomer Shabbos, meaning you come from the non-religious home and then you, yeah. So my Jewish story is a little bit different. Yeah, so I went to Bethlehem, but I didn't become religious in Bethlehem. I actually went to the School of the Arts, okay. uh, like I said, for high school for the last two years. <clears throat> and um, and then I, when I was in college, um, I uh, I was not particularly religious at all. I was, um, I, again, traditional. Uh, I, I, I didn't really keep kosher, but I, I, would, I still ate at the kosher dining hall more for social reasons. And there was a rabbi, um, Rabbi Katz, who, who worked at Johns Hopkins, which is where I was at college, who would take, who would um, invite his students from the kosher dining hall over to his house for Shabbat, and that was the first time I actually in college that I really experienced Shabbat as it's as it's meant to be experienced. I guess is that's the way to put it. Like like you know real sh- a Shomer Shabbat household, um, and it really it really it really spoke to me. It really it was it was an amazing experience, and I I decided that's what I wanted from that's how I wanted to raise my family. So I decided to become observant actually in college. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So, um, so back to the book. So your first book, Sherlock Holmes daughter, I'm imagining she's not Orthodox. She's Sherlock Holmes daughter, right? So, so actually when I started writing, um, after I wrote my first novel and even like to some degree, even my second novel, which did have Jewish characters, I had people asking me, are you going to write about Jewish people? Are you going to, you know, you're going to write about your community or anything? And, and my answer was always no, actually, at first, I was always very nervous about tackling that, um, for the simple reason that I think that it's really important when an author writes that she be objective. Um, I really, I don't like it when I read a novel and it's really obvious to me through the novel what the author's political or religious or whatever mm-hmm. agenda it, that she's speaking through the characters mm-hmm. in, in order mm-hmm. to tell you what she thinks is the right way to go. Mm-hmm. And I was worried that I, being that I had, I, you know, I, I grew up traditional, but then I became orthodox um, that I wouldn't really be able to kind of parse my my own complicated feelings about my religion and 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 then be able to portray characters in within my community in an objective and completely non-judgmental way. I was worried that I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, and it was also just such a personal thing for me. So I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna write in, in my second novel, Your Voice is all I hear. Um, my characters are Jewish, but the Judaism isn't a huge part of it. It's a small, very small part um, as I kind of kind of dip my foot in that in that water. But I, I, that was as far as I was willing to go. My third novel, Rules of Rain, didn't have Jewish characters. And it wasn't until this last novel, The Last Words We Said, that I, I decided, you know, to, to go all in. Um, and um, I, I wrote about my community, which I, I you know, I, I live in a modern Orthodox community now. Um, and, uh, it, and I lived, it, I said it in Atlanta where we moved down to Atlanta when my husband was doing residency, I sent it in the modern, um, Orthodox community in Atlanta. Um, and, uh, it, that was the community that my daughters grew up in to some degree. And, um, I, I love that community. It's, 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 it was warm and, um, I, I no longer lived there, but when I was there, it was, it was a warm, welcoming place. And, um, so I was excited to set my novel there, um, because I wanted to show, the modern um, the, the the orthodox community for what it is it's a it's a, it's a warm and, and loving place it's a it's a wonderful community i can't um, help but notice not so, to talk about a different project but i can't help but notice that there is another major uh you know piece of media that came out this summer that also included atlanta um my orthodox life 
the the main character has her time in Atlanta, and it's so interesting um, to sort of have different takes on you know sort of a warm uh, recollection and showing of a community versus you know. Uh, they gave me no voice. They uh, controlled women. You know, they degrade their women. So um, I hadn't even like sort of connected that until right now. But that's that's really amazing that you're kind of giving Atlanta orthodoxy another sort of another chance in mainstream media um, to have, uh, you know, some a, a different a different perspective, um, you know, scene of it. Um, what kind of uh, feedback have you gotten from the book? From. From, well, starting with Jewish readers, I, I it's been wonderful. I've had people writing. I, this is the first time I saw myself and my, you know, my friends. The, the, you know, the people you write about. Them, you know, I had a friend who frummed out the way my character Dini frums out. I had, you know, I was Ray. I know I was, you know, and it, it, it's even just the fact that the the cover of the book has um, has a boy with a keep on the cover. Uh, I in in young adult literature I, I've never seen that that's never happened before as far as I'm aware not in traditionally published um, young adult uh, anyway um, and uh, that that was really exciting to me to hear um, people's reactions like this is this is the first time and and people were so thrilled that that it, it, it isn't a novel about wanting to throw off your Judaism and therefore find freedom just like you mentioned in the beginning um, of your of your podcast it's 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 not you know, it's not about that. Each of my characters has a complicated relationship with their religion, yeah. but it's based on love. Even yeah. the one that's rebelling, I have one character who's rebelling. She still, um, she still loves and respects her family and doesn't want to hurt anybody in the process. She's not, she's not angry at the religion. She's just trying to figure out who she is and where she, where she belongs. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just in this example, you know, they're, they're having a discussion about Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur and um, her, you know, she, she had declared earlier that she's an atheist and her friends basically say, like, you're an atheist. Why are you fasting? Are you, are you fasting? And she goes, yeah, I may be an atheist, but of course I still fast on Yom Kippur. <laughs> I mean, these are these are people that I knew, like, right. you know, the, the, that's, that characters. was the reaction. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, obviously, like, you know. Um, and what about what about non-Jewish readers? Any feedback from them? So mostly the reaction I've gotten from non-Jewish readers is I didn't know these people existed, not, you know, mm -hmm. not in an other sense, but like, right. I didn't know this community existed. I didn't mm -hmm. know, I actually didn't know very much about Jews at all. It was wonderful learning about traditions um, and, 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 the, and the things that they do throughout the novel, it's just part of their daily life. They're like, <clears throat> I don't spend a tremendous amount of time, you know, discussing the minutia of Kashrut because my readers don't, either, either religious or non-religious, don't want to read about that. Yeah. They, they just want to know how, how um, they, the, the biggest part that I do discuss in the book is because this is a book about teens, is about being Shomer Nagia, uh, mm -hmm. which is a huge conflict in, in a growing teen's life, especially sure. in, in modern Orthodox teens. Um, with ultra-Orthodox teens, that's a, it's a little bit more... Um, it's a little bit more, uh, I guess, black and white, like what you can do, what you can't do. With modern orthodoxy, there's a little bit of fluidity there. Um, so you have teens who are completely shown again, and you have teens who, who aren't at all. Um, mm -hmm. And the, that that kind of struggle and trying to figure out what what you what is best for you and how you want to live your life um, is is kind of front and center in the novel. It's actually one of the biggest themes. That's the aspect that I thought would appeal to teens that have never have never been religious at all in their lives because it's it's a it's a it's a very real struggle even for non-religious people as well. Mm -hmm. um, what so. how, how they handle that that sort of emerging uh, part of themselves. Um, exactly. 
Do you think your success by getting published through non-Jewish themes sort of opened up the door for something so orthodox? Meaning this had been your first novel. Do you think a, a house like Simon and Schuster would have been like, oh, we'll take this right away or because you already had proven yourself as a writer that could write, that could get published, that they could now. Do you see my question? Like, I hear I hear a question. It's a good question. And I actually don't know the answer. Um, I'm, I'm, I think typically um, publishing houses will pick up an author if they think that, you know, oh, they'll pick up pretty much anything by an author if their previous works have flown off the shelves. That wasn't the case with me. Mm-hmm. My, my previous three uh, novels did okay, but they weren't bestsellers. Yep. So I don't think that I was published based on my success with those novels. Mm-hmm. I'll also mention there's an upcoming novel all, uh, um, being represented by um, my my uh, agent, uh, Rena. Uh, she, uh, there's an upcoming novel with a boy with a black hat and tzitzit on the cover, which is very exciting. It's coming out next year from Penguin. Wow. It's another big house. And um, he stays religious or you can't know the ending or? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read the book. Um, it's not out yet, and but I told my agent that I need to have an advanced copy as soon as possible. Um, it's called The Life and Crimes of Hootie, Hootie Rosen. Um, oh. So, uh, yeah, it sounds very interesting. I'm very excited about it. But um, it's his first novel. So mm-hmm. he got published by Penguin. I think that's a better, I guess, answer. I'm not sure how it worked for me, but he got published by Penguin as his first novel. And he, and his, his novel has a black hat and CT on the cover. So that's. Yeah, we're making All right, progress. so if you know someone that <laughs> solves crimes in a black hat, that would be uh, that would be very cool. That would also I'm be. I'm not even sure if that's what he does. To be honest with you, I okay. think it's just the title. Now um, I have a, now I have a book idea. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, do you think it, has there been anything that has prevented this from happening before? In terms of, do you think that sort of the publishing world wasn't ready for this? Um, has the Orthodox community not put out enough attempts? Like, do you have a sense of sort of like? what's been the the holdup for this being sort of a first moment? Um, I think it, I think you're right. And in, in it's, it's time, meaning that um, there have been, there's been a push obviously recently for more diversity in literature. If you look at um, books, let's say 10 years ago, the vast majority were um, about white protagonists, you know, living in suburbia or something like that. It, that that was the vast majority. Now, in the last ten years, especially in the last five or six years, there's been a push for more people of color, um, you know, uh, diverse sexuality. That and also, um, uh, I've seen many in the last two or three years of um, a Muslim authors writing in the, the uh, for for YA audiences, and the the covers have, feature young girls with hijabs. Um, and that those have done, as far as I'm aware, have done quite well. And people mm-hmm. are excited, young, young people are excited to read about religions, uh, other religions and, and other lifestyles. I so, appreciate that because that, Jews, Jews don't always get classified in the minority diversity exactly, category. So exactly. It's sort of like and that's why. And that's why I said it's time, yeah. um, even though I mean, in my view, Jews are probably one of like the my most one of the most minorities of minorities. If it's, Literally, you know what I mean? And Literally. coming from coming from a family that went through the Russia experience being Jewish, uh, it's not even this distant memory. It's like it's part of your you know family story. Um, and yet, so. I don't know, somehow something has been forgotten or rewritten or conveniently forgotten. Um, 
And in terms of uh, just adult novels, um, there were other, there have been other, you know, authors in the past in this space, like Faye Kellerman comes to mind. She has orthodox characters. Have you followed any of the other kind of orthodox characters in, uh, you know, sort of the larger novel space? Um, I read some Naomi Reagan when I, uh, maybe about 10, 15 years ago. Um, I, I read quite a lot of her novels. Um, uh, she has, she has kind of a niche market in that way. Um, and um, otherwise, orthodox characters in terms of young adult, I, I don't know of any, uh, mm -hmm. except for maybe you can you could say the chosen was one. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, um, other than that, I'm I'm not aware of any. Mostly, my impression of orthodox portrayal in media has been just like what you said in on unorthodox um, and in um, and in my unorthodox life. I've watched unorthodox. I did not watch my unorthodox life. I I read a lot of things that that I felt that, that sounded like it was not quite exactly it what I wanted. Not, you to filled your head with, uh, you know, medical terms and things to save life. You do not need to uh, fill your head <laughs> with this garbage. It was, uh, yeah, it I, was I didn't hear the best, the best yeah. reviews from that. So that's why I kind of stayed away. I, I really enjoyed Stiesel. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've watched that. Yeah. Um, I think that's a fantastic portrayal. Um, I, it's, 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 that's the difference between, uh, a movie or a, a series done with love versus mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one that's done to other a community, which is exactly. what I felt. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I enjoy portions of unorthodox. I, I especially love the actress. I think she's a phenomenal actress. Yeah. Um, I just, and I don't mind if that kind of story is told as long as it's not the only one out there. Correct. And so far, it's really the only one out there. So look, um, our organization works with ex-Hasidic Jews, people that have gone through all sorts of traumatic and dysfunctional experiences. So um, I can, I know people who say that the, you know, traumatic moments that they saw in that series were personally triggering because they lived through things like that themselves. But at this point, working with this community for about half a dozen years, um, I feel very strongly that these are the most dysfunctional and, you know, abusive cases that exist there. The happy people are not making stories about. And so that's, you know, a fair thing to discuss and explore in, you know, media and literature. The question is, are you framing that as normative chassidus, chassidim, or are you showing that this, you know, these are the most dysfunctional cases and every community has its most dysfunctional cases. And if this is all you know about Hasidic Jews, just the miserable ones that abuse each other, then sort of how do you have a full picture? So I think that's my frustration, not that these stories should never be told because, um, you know, we share the stories of our members too, but we also share that sort of aha moment when they discover that being a Jew is beautiful and that there's wonderful Orthodox Jews and Jews in the world. It's just that when you're with, you know, people with personality disorders and toxic people, they just have a way of ruining life, just any life, any community, any society. Um, we kind of skipped a question that I was going to ask before, which is why did you finally um, decide to visit this storyline that you were afraid to go to before? How did you get over that fear or concern of um, the bias you might bring to it? So my first, you know, whenever I come up with a, an idea for a novel, it's always centered around um, something that I'm excited about or passionate about or, or something that just some, some idea that really that I can't stop thinking about. Um, like for instance, with uh, Your Voice Is All I Hear, it was about a teenager uh, who um, her first um, boyfriend uh, is diagnosed with schizophrenia and mental illness has always been something that I've been really interested in about, re re interested in. In the case of The Last Words We Said, um, I uh, my first thought, my, my, the, the germ of the idea was, what would it feel like uh, if you, if the person that you loved was gone, but missing? and you, you weren't sure what had happened, and yet you blamed yourself 
that was that was it. That was the idea. And then once you have that idea, you go and that's this is my process anyway. I, I decide, okay, who are these people? Where do they live? You know, what what motivates them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I decided just I decided to I didn't so much decide to set it in a mod, in modern Orthodox community in Atlanta. It was just kind of it happened almost naturally. Um, my characters it's going to sound a little weird, but my characters start talking to me when I when I start to envision them. I start seeing scenes the way that you see a scene in a movie. I would mm. see it playing out, and um, and all of these characters, especially my character Ray, just had these really um, loud voices, and and they, they they had all these things they wanted to say, and that they they were when they were talking to each other. And I realized as I was listening to them that even though they all had different approaches to their Judaism, I loved each and every one of them. And I didn't feel one was right. One was wrong. This was the path you should take. You know, I didn't feel in any way judgmental about anything that was going on because I understood and what was motivating everybody. So I decided myself, you know what, I am ready to write this now. I'm not, I don't, I'm not coming to it from a biased perspective. I'm coming to it from with love. I'm I'm coming to number one to the community with love, and more importantly, even to each of these characters, even with their very different choices that they make. I understand and I love each one of them. Um, so uh, I think that that's why I felt suddenly ready because I could hear them, and I I I didn't, and and I loved all of them. I love that. In terms of like where the motivation comes, if the characters are literally visiting you in your head, then I guess maybe you can be a mother and a doctor and do it all together if the stories are playing out. But there's just such a colorful imagery that you almost can't help but to like create these stories because sort of you've, I mean, now to sort of, we're actually putting out this uh, video soon, which we filmed a lot of it in Baltimore, um, Orthodox Jewish artists, partners in creation. Um, and I think sort of that inspiration kind of coming down from above and sort of feeling like, um, you know, God has kind of put something in you to put out to the world. It sounds like that's exactly what happens to you um, when a novel uh, sort of comes as an inspiration. Does that, am I right? Um, it feels a little bit like, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I would say God. It's a lovely way to put it, but it's more just my very overactive imagination. Right. All right. So that's the more like a scientific way. I'm the whole spiritual person here. No, you can certainly. I'm just saying in terms of yeah. Right. No, you, you certainly don't have to, to put God on that. I draggy to say God gave it. Right. I know what I mean. Right. Okay. Fine. That got right. Okay. So God did you know speak to you. I, I I hear that. <laughs> I know what I'm saying is that uh, does God talk to me? No. It's more like I I feel like I pray for ideas. I pray for creativity, for wisdom, and when um, something for a strategy for the right partners. I pray for these things like constantly. And when something opens up for me that I've prayed for, I right. I don't know that it actually came from God, but um, for me, at least it's a feeling of, you know, sort of, I, I prayed for that and then sort of it, it came my way, but yes, it's true. We obviously don't know sort of where inspiration strikes from. Um, but that's, I guess, sort of part of what my relationship, um, to God looks like where can, so, um, remind our readers, uh, name of the book, where they can get it, where they can learn more about you. So the book is called the last words we said it's on, it's available, um, on Amazon, on, in Barnes and Noble, and it's in most bookstores, um, Last time I checked, um, and um, you can you can order it um, off if you're overseas. You can order it on Book Depository, and it's also available uh, available on Kindle. So um, yeah, it's uh, now for anyone wondering, is this appropriate for Orthodox teenagers? Is there a certain level or age that you would say? Um, meaning, I guess, sort of how adult novels can be very explicit nowadays. Um, first, so kind of where, what would be the rating for you know uh, someone from a more you know. 
That's a very good question. I would rate it as PG. I can tell you okay. what's in it, uh, if, that, okay. if that helps. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that there is definitely discussions of loss and grief and, you know, that, so it, it deals with a missing, a missing person. So that yeah. in of itself, that's, that's a tough, tough subject. Sure. Um, I would say for over 14. And then in terms of, if you're, if you're talking adult situations, um, nothing ever goes beyond uh, PG, uh, okay. meaning, um, no clothing comes off. Um, there is some kissing, um, and there is discuss kind of dis I don't want to say discussion about sex, but it's more just like they dis they discuss it in theory. No one actually discusses actual acts or anything Got explicit it. in any way. They just more just say you know he did or didn't that kind of thing. Um, and there is at the very end. There is like one use of the f word. Um, I mean, compared to what's out there today, that sounds like a pretty clean, clean novel. So, um, <laughs> I, but mean, I, think I intended it to be, I intended to be clean, it, you know, because uh, I think it's almost difficult to, to have, like, I have kids. <laughs> right, yeah, for Hanukkah, we were looking for young adult novels, and it's almost difficult to find anything that, you know, sort of would be uh, in standards that we would want, you know, our, our teens to read. So um, that's another, I would say, uh, value that you're bringing to the community. So, um, yeah, thank you um, so much. This is incredible work that you're doing. Um, I imagine that, you know, God willing, we will see more from you. Um, and it's just, it's exciting that we have someone so talented in our community with the you know capability of representing, telling our stories that haven't been told before, um, really nothing short of historic and so overdue. So um, we you know want to congratulate you and uh, you know wish you continued uh, hatzlacha in the future. So much. Thank you for having me on. Okay, great, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye bye.